Due to the absolute awesomeness of this interview, your regularly scheduled episode of the Carpe Diem Gamecast has been temporarily postponed. This is the Carpe Diem Gamecast interview series. Joining us today, Sean Fannin. Thank you for joining us. This is the Carpe Diem interview series. It's been a while, but we're back, and this time we brought somebody new. We brought Sean Patrick Fannin with us. Sean, say hi to the listeners. And a good morning to y'all. <laughs> now, uh, Sean, I want to start off with a little story for you. Uh, I started Ooh, I love story time. Fantastic. I started doing this uh, a little over a year ago, and I had no idea what I was doing. I was trying to cobble together enough equipment to record a podcast and... I had no idea how to start a website or any of that stuff. And you were the first person in the industry to welcome me there. You were the first person to help me. You, you uh, At the time, you were working for Drive-Thru RPG. Uh-huh. And uh, you opened the doors and showed me how uh, open and accepting this community is. So for that, I have to thank you. Well, um, I, I, I don't think my day could even could get any better unless somebody dropped like $10,000 on my Kickstarter. Dude, that's one of the nicest most awesome things anyone said to me in a while and it it it's an honor and a pleasure thank you so much for for uh, for saying that fantastic well sean i know who you are and what you've been doing why don't you um read what's on the back of your geek card and tell all the listeners who you are where you've been what you've been doing how'd you get here and we'll just start there and see where the conversation ends up crawling from the primordial ooze I slithered across the ground and grasped for the branches of the tree. No, wait, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> uh, wow. Okay, so back in the day when you had to use, you know, your lost teeth with notches marked on them for dice and bark, you know, to carve your character sheets in, um, I started with the Dungeons and Dragons thing in 1977. Bell bottoms were actually a thing for the first time. <laughs> this is a terrifying time in history, and this is when this happened. And I saw Star Wars when it was actually first released in the theater, and I discovered Dungeons and Dragons in its first box set that where it was first called Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Uh, with the terrified uh, archer and wizard in the foreground, and the dragon sitting on piles of treasure in the in the main part of the image, and the keep on the borderlands inside the box, and keep on the borderlands. I didn't have Greyhawk or Blackmore or any of those settings. Didn't really know about them at the time, so I had a borderlands, but I didn't know what those lands were. And being a precocious lad, coming hot on the heels of, of immersion in Lord of the Rings, the novels, uh, which, yes, boys and girls, there was a series of novels before there was a movies. That's correct. Um, and, and I'll admit, I'm a blasphemer. I think the, the movies improve on the content in some interesting ways, but that's another story. But yeah, I was, I was very much less about uh, stomping around dungeons and stuff like that, although we, we did it because that's what the adventures were, but I was much more interested in the story and the characters and the cinema and the literariness of it all. And so we needed those, we needed to know what those lands were that the keep was on the border of, and that's where I started building Shintar, although I wasn't calling it that, that then, I was just calling it the realm. But a lot of elements 
came to life during that time. And I, I mentioned that because you know, right there and then is the beginning of my, my career as a designer and as a creator, uh, as, as this precocious, you know, young, young teen. And uh, concepts and ideas and, and just, you know, things I came up with back then influenced pretty much everything I did from that point forward. Now, granted, I was just purely a hobbyist for almost all that time. I, I had designs to go to West Point, which I did, and why wow, was that not a good idea? Uh, <laughs> I spent two and a half years beating my head against that particular uh, gray stone wall. Um, but but um, that's actually where uh, uh, the the free lords of Lone Keep come from, uh, and which is a there are people in the freelands of Shintar is an homage to the. Uh, the Shire that we built for the SCA while we were at West Point. Um, so I was even doing all the fantasy gaming geekery stuff then. I was far more interested in that than I was than the actual being at West Point, which should tell you something. How was that received? Which part? What do you mean, how was that received? When you were at West Point. Oh, we were outsiders then. Yeah, we, yeah. You know, there, there was a bunch of us, and we even had a, a couple of uh, you know military sponsor guys who, for the SCA part at least, but yeah, it, we were definitely outsiders. We were definitely kind of on the weird side, um, which is why you didn't really see us out in the open anywhere. We were doing our stuff always, you know, off this one place or behind the doors over there. Okay. But uh, yeah, like I said, I never stopped creating, um, and uh, I actually discovered champions and the hero system while I was while I was at West Point. And uh, may he rest in peace, our very dear friend Colin Hotnet, uh, who was uh, our GM. Uh, well, he he was like the first GM for the group that I was playing with there. He's the one who introduced us to the hero system, and I became very enamored of that system. So after I left and eventually ended up back home, that's how I really got into the games industry. Uh, I started out actually writing some articles for Scott Herring's The Gamer magazine. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was my first paid work. So thank you, Scott, and the rest of the world has you to blame for for <laughs> my for the fact that I'm still out here doing all this craziness. But I I. Had friends really pushing me on the whole, you create such awesome things for our Champions games, you should try to write some of this stuff for these guys. And I really wasn't into anything else at the time, so I was like, all right, let's give it a shot. You had to realize this was back in the day, the, the internet wasn't a thing at all. You know, America Online, You've Got Mail, was very popular uh, in its early stages at that point. It was, uh, you know, um, a very very beginning kind of thing. It wasn't the ubiquitous. That's how you contact and do anything. You know, that was like an extra cool thing you might do if if you know what you're doing with the elite stuff. Right. So you still had to kind of get to know people, you know, face to face. And people were actually still sending letters to each other back then. Uh, I know, shocking, horrific, uncivilized. <laughs> how did we survive? So, bearing in mind that I had been part of the original staff that actually began the monster that is Dragon Con, I Neat. had I still had a bunch of friends there, so I got a badge. Uh, I actually got a, a staff badge, and uh, made my way down to where the, this is the early part of the day where they're just getting set up. And I made my way, way down to the dealer's room, and I just sort of started grabbing things off of the truck and helping the Iron Crown Enterprises and Hero Games guys set their booth up. This is back when. Here I was being published by Iron Crown. And in the course of setting their booth up for them, that's how I met them. And I just sort of insinuated myself, said, hey, I'm a big fan of your work. So I really wanted to you know, come meet you guys. Well, that's really cool. And, and I said, you know, I won't lie. Uh, I've got some ideas. I was hoping maybe to talk to you guys about publishing uh, or, you know, or writing for you. And they were like, okay, make a pitch. 
And here's the funny part. <laughs> My first pitch, uh, they had to say no to because um, uh, I was uh, caught up in the backlash of one of the only uh, truly controversial uh, books ever published uh, it, it, that actually ever got yanked from the shelves. <laughs> <laughs> Because the Jewish Anti-Defamation League had a real problem with Flight of the Valkyrie, which was a champion scenario right? in which the heroes had to save Hitler from being assassinated. And, and members of the Jewish community did not find that amusing and put up a huge fight. And uh, Iron Crown decided it was better to uh, yank the book. So they're like, and and what the problem is, I had this really great idea for something called the Final Reich, which was super villain Nazis trying to take over the world. And they're like, well, you just can't touch the Nazi thing right now. Oh, wow, that's horrible timing, isn't it? Yeah, talk about uh, exit stage left there. Yeah, they're like, dude, you you seem really cool. You've got some really good ideas. If you have anything else, boom, out of nowhere, a flash of lightning, and I drop out. Uh, an idea for something they hadn't done yet because they just done collections of here of, of villains, right? You know, enemies one, enemies two, whatever. I said, how about thematic enemy books? Okay, what what do you think? And I said, how about high tech enemies? An entire book that's focused on tech based and science based enemies. Okay, that sounds really cool. Put it together. Boom! There was my first book in the industry, high tech enemies. Uh, Backpedaling. <laughs> Yeah, and and and, uh, and I had a bunch of really cool high tech, you know, technical based enemies. Anyway, so and that began my champions writing career. I was kind of prolific at that point, uh, though nowhere near as prolific as my contemporary Steve Long, or as I always call him, Steve Writes Long. Love you, Steve, dude. Wow. <laughs> um, if 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 uh, if words were gold, you know, I'd be like you know living in your golden bathtub right now. Right. Um, you know, the man is amazing. Uh, in terms of just the volume of words he can put out. Uh, I always hated him for that. <laughs> like you do. <laughs> like you do. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it was, actually, Steve's a friend, and he's, uh, he's a great guy. Um, and it, it does not surprise me, at least, that he went on to to, to be the hero guy uh, at one point. But I'm sorry, I digress. That began the whole thing, and it's funny because uh, early on I had ideas for doing a fantasy hero thing. So I was a big fan of fantasy hero, and this was the very, very earliest days of that. And that was going to be the first, that was how Shine Tower was originally going to be released. And at that point, you know, not too long after that is when we were calling it Shine Tower. But, uh, yeah, realize we're talking about 25 years of history here. So let me kind of scoot through there, back and forth, in and out of uh, the electronic games industry, because uh, as many of my contemporaries I saw, that's actually where you could make some real money. Right. And technically, that was true. What, what's but, that mean? <laughs> um, it's mostly a disaster. Ah. Uh, you know, it was mostly a nightmare. I mean, I've got contemporaries and friends uh, who have really big names from the stuff that they've done in the computer games industry who are still desperate for work and income today. Wow. So it's not, it's not the golden ticket. And, and for every major project that releases that you might have gotten paid decent salary on, there's 10 guys who got paid a tenth of what they were said they were going to get paid, uh, and their project ended up in the bargain bin, if it got published at all, right. and 100 projects that never see the light of day. It's, it's a nightmare. You know, I'm very glad I finally got out of it at one point. Uh, I, mean, I mean, Shane Hensley is one of my best friends and well-known guy, and, 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 
and has done some amazing work in the computer games industry. Nothing, no one can take a word or a thing away from him. Right. And and, and he's back to pretty much focusing on 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 publishing again because it just grinds you, man. It just it's it it is not kind. It is not a kind industry at all. It is an industry that is is entirely de- designed to to, to exploit forgetful. It, and it, it's and it's. It's absolutely designed to predict to to be a predator on young hungry talent mm. and and grind and grind them up and spit them out uh, and move on to grab the next ones because it's all about innovation right you know technical right. innovation and and art innovation so they're grabbing all the young guns but they're not keeping real talent because of the way they're working them so it's not a it's not a pleasant place and and you know the money is a is an illusion you know because uh you're not either you're making it but you don't you can't do anything to spend it because you're too busy right or you're not making it because you know what they say they're paying you on paper you know becomes delayed checks or half checks or you know everything just falls apart so it yeah i i i was in and out of that for a long time but then at the same time uh, there was times i did pretty much every job there is no demand except work in the medical field i i uh delivered pizzas i managed to 7-eleven i i drove an armored car that was like one of the most, <laughs> wow that was, that was one of the most uh uh stable jobs i ever had uh you know working for loomis fargo at the time and i was doing some writing and design in the background but i was driving an armored car uh, i was an armed services technician mm. you know so but I did end up getting a job back in the industry, uh, and, I, and I did freelance quite a bit. Uh, did some stuff for, for you know, of course, I worked on the original Star Wars RPG for West End way back when. And right. I also did some stuff for Shatter Zone. You know, did some stuff for uh, White Wolf. Uh, naturally, I, I continued to do stuff for Hero Games while they were still a going so concern. Did you find that your name attached with her, the Hero System and the, the projects from from there did that make it easier for you to slide in as a, as a freelancer? Oh, absolutely. So you didn't absolutely. have to to crawl and claw at that point in your life. You oh. were already pretty well established. Yeah, that, and, and that was the way things were, is once you establish yourself as a talent that can get things done, it becomes a heck of a lot easier. And people actually even end up even asking you to write for them and stuff, which nice. is it's nice. Because everybody's after the stable you know, pro- provider. And, and, or you know, at the very least, it's easy to walk up and say, hey, I did this work for these guys. Oh, well, I know those guys because everybody knows everybody in this industry. Right. And uh, so, you know, oh, yeah, I know those guys. Yeah, sure, I'll give you a shot. Or even, you know, right down to, hey, Ray, would you talk to your friend over there and see if they'd be willing to you know, hire me to do a book? You know, that kind of thing. So that, that worked out to my advantage uh, considerably. But you got to stay with it, man. You got to keep producing. Right. Uh, or, it, or it can kick you right square in the butt and they'll go look for the next guy. Hmm. Um, but uh, the, the thing is, of course, that the money is <laughs> just not really there but you know the, it was still fun right i still enjoyed doing it so i was kicking around doing a bunch of other different things and um ended up taking a job with the game manufacturers association uh as their events coordinator and i also did uh communication stuff for them and i got me involved in in uh much more deeply in the the trade oh i should point out actually the the major threshold point for me creatively and professionally yeah uh, I really professionally as much as anything was writing the fantasy role playing gamers Bible, which was everything you ever want to know about gaming, but thought you'd be a geek if you asked. And, uh, I had a very dear friend of mine who had been asked to write it, but he said that, uh, you know, because he'd had some interest in, in involvement in, uh, in the games industry, he was actually a mentor of mine. 
uh, named Brad Strickland. Um, back when I was uh, in the Governor's Honors Program, uh, I was the uh, one of those elite geek kids growing up. Did you know all the extra programs and stuff like that? But anyway, he mentioned to his agent that he knew somebody who was far more immersed in the current uh, cycle of, of game design development. So they contacted me, and it was a book that Prima Publishing, who were mostly famous for doing strategy guides for computer games, okay. um, but they wanted to break into some other entertainment venue stuff. So they were like, hey, we want to do a book all about role-playing games. Like, well, hell yeah, that would be me. Um, and I got to fly around and travel around and meet a lot of people. And uh, I got to know everybody in the industry at that point. Anybody who was anybody, I got to talk to them. And I did this very uh, complete book about what gaming is, how do you get into it, all the little extra bits and, and entertaining bits and you know history of and, and all this other kind of stuff. And I mean, I got to talk to uh, Dave Arneson and and uh, Gary Gygax, uh, and, and I also got to talk to Dave Wesley, which is one of the most unsung heroes of gaming. Um, what but a dream some, project! It, it was. It it really truly was, uh, and it it changed everything for me. There's no question about it. Still known by uh, that book for where a lot of people are concerned. Um, when people constantly ask me, so when are you going to write the, the third edition? Because I, I wrote that one, and there was a second edition that we did through uh, Obsidian Studios. Well, the problem is that I don't own the copyright on that. That is owned by Jared Nielsen. And uh, so you know, it's possible one day we'll, we'll finally do a third edition. I just... Uh, you know, like I so said, Jared owns the copyright, so Til- he and I have to work something out. Till then, uh, send the emails to the right guy. Yeah, well, you know, it's just so much. Yeah, that's true. People want to get a hold of Jared and ask him what he wants to do with it. It's fine. <laughs> um, if he wants me to write it, he and I will have to work something out. But it's not like I have a lot of time right now. Right, right. Um, but uh, I went on to work with uh, Gamma, and then um, not long after that, with a brief stint with uh, Fresh Games, working in the casual games industry, which uh, just that brief little time I was with them, man, I, I learned so much. And I'll tell you right now, I still think that that you know, the whole app-driven casual game area space that's not the high-end development, crazy graphics, right. is it's still a wonderful space to be playing in for when you want to do multimedia stuff with your projects. And I'm, st- I'm looking very seriously at that for stuff with Shintar. But um, back on, on, on track, I, after I left uh, Gamma, and then I did that for a little bit, I went to work with uh, the finest company I have ever worked for. Um, and... and uh, I'm I'm incredibly blessed to have spent the time I did with these guys, and that would be one bookshelf, um, which are the the guys who have Drive Through RPG and RPG Now and Drive Through Cards and Drive Through Comics and all that stuff. Right. I was uh, incredibly honored to work with Steve Wick, uh, one of the Wick brothers who uh, originally ran uh, White Wolf. Steve very uh, smartly focused heavily on the digital distribution thing, and uh, he's just brilliant. Uh, and I'll tell you right now, there are three major thresholds uh, that have altered the RPG industry uh, as paradigm shifts. And I, I use that term intentionally, not as a buzzword. Right. Um, the, the first one is uh, desktop publishing uh, technology development. You know, the, the development of stuff that, that enhanced the ability to take your, your home you know, PC or your laptop and turn it into a, a robust publishing uh, tool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, massive, massive uh, uh, sea change for, for RPG and uh, really any creative industry development. And that's the thing is that RPGs have had a, 
had as almost as important an impact on 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 the creative industry's uh, business models as the porn industry has. And if anybody underestimates how much porn has influenced the way people <laughs> do business, then you're not paying attention. Um, they they right, they right. they're, they're the reasons the internet works as a as a business you know tool. But uh, desktop publishing had a huge huge impact. That was the first major sea change. Uh, the the second paradigm shift for for the RPG hobby and industry was the dig- digital distribution model as it was put together by James Math and Steve Wick. Um, and then when they actually combined forces, they created the 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 monster that that, that is you know the most important thing for any publisher to be connected to. You know, there's just there's no denying it. I mean, all you have to do is look at the 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 on again off again uh, romance between <laughs> Wizards of the Coast, right? And drive through RPG to realize, you know, uh, wizards you know, can't uh, deny that there is some some sweet uh, water in this in this stream. I was about to say, you know, wizards basically is like, why can't I quit you? <laughs> but I mean, and and, and it's, it's it's just uh, there it is, right? Nobody can afford to walk away from that, and and, right. and 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 in fact, you know, you look at a white wolf, and it's like, oh, why are we bothering with capital investment? In print runs and in in warehouses anymore. There's no point, and there really isn't. B- businesses businesses now are born and and thrive strictly on exclusive partnership with DriveThru, which is exactly what I did with Evil Beagle. So working with them was huge, huge. Uh, my 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 connection to the industry was even more dramatically enhanced. Um, what was uh, your position? What was it called there? Uh, demigod. Not you know. I was like, <laughs> I was be inclined a, to agree. That was I was a, a god. I wasn't the god. Sorry, I'm, I'm having a Bill Murray <laughs> moment there. No, not even close. And I, I'm making a joke there because it really, it's embarrassing to me uh, how many people thought I was the guy running Drive Through RPG because I do a pretty good job of being shameless and out there and and being a a, a personality. You know what? It's, so it's funny. It's funny you say that because. Uh, I mentioned before about how when I first started doing this podcasting thing, ultimately I want to get into publishing and designing my own games and stuff like mm. that. I've got tons of designs. I just don't have the you time. You fool! You fool! <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's but, so much easier now than it ever was. Absolutely. But the first person, again, like I said, that uh, that that shook my hand and told me, hey, let's this, you know, this is the place to start, was you in your position at uh, drive-thru. Now, I knew you weren't the guy. But man, were you a guy after you <laughs> after you talked to me and you, you helped me through a couple of issues and whatnot. And I got to thinking about, you know what? This guy has got the spot. You have the best seat in the house. You're getting to see everything coming in the door, everything going out the door. You're, you're setting up the affiliates. You're setting up the, the featured reviewers. You've got your finger on the pulse of everything that was one bookshelf. And well, you can't be sued. Um, uh, you know, so. <laughs> well, not only did I have my finger on the pulse of everything that was going on uh, with one bookshelf, I had my finger because because of its position, I had my finger on the pulse of everything that was going on in gaming. Period. Right, because of and, how central it was. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, walking away from that was absolutely the hardest thing I ever did, and I couldn't, I wouldn't have done it if Steve had not had the foresight and the wisdom and the love for my work that he did. And he just booted my ass out of the nest. Um, uh, you had to realize that that one of the reasons why I went I, I went out of my way to to help you, and one of the reasons I go out of my way to help everybody who is looking for 
advice or a leg up or or encouragement or whatever um it's it's um and and sorry i I'm actually kind of uh, a little verklempt when I think about this because it's, it's it is an emotional uh, reality for me. It's a very important thing. Um, I made a promise to uh, the people who helped me at the beginning, uh, and then who who went on to see me start to go on to other things because you know, I thank them so profusely for for the 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 faith they showed in me. Uh, you know, this is Steve Peterson, George McDonald, Ray Greer, Bruce Harlick. Um, the original Hero Games guys, right. uh, and 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 a, a, there was quite a few others as well, but but they were the first ones, and they admonished me only. They said, you know, all we ask is that you know you pay it forward. Um, I'm not sure they use those exact words, but it's, it's such a great phrase that that's what applies. That's all they ever asked of me was to to do the same for others when my time came, and so I have. I, I, with my position at drive through I suddenly became uh, capable of helping everyone who wanted a chance, who right. wanted, wanted the shot that I was given. And I'm a – sorry. Oh, you're, you're fine. I'm very proud of that. I will, not admit, I will not lie. I'm very proud of the fact that I have been able to help some really talented people step up and, and follow their dreams too. Just as as I was gifted, uh, and and I think that's how it's got to work. I think that's the best way for it to work is is you take the, the the blessings and the and the amazing things that the universe puts in front of you because of the amazing people you get to meet, and you you the best way you can repay people who think like that, who think in terms of I want to help others, is by helping others, and. Uh, uh, so there you go. That's that's how that works. Yeah. And and I'm really glad that you have followed and pursued the things that you want to. And you're not done. You're not even close to done. Oh, no. um, there's so many opportunities. Uh, as I've been telling everybody, you know, one of the big things that I do is you know, Steve kicked me on the nest and said, "Go do what you keep telling everybody else they can do." I mean, I've been doing all these <laughs> panels and presentations to everybody uh for for a couple of years about how you could you know you could be a publisher tonight that was one of the public the panels I did right which was that if you have content ready to post sign up an account it's free boom you're a publisher congratulations welcome to the game industry and it's really it really is that simple although now the trick is are you doing quality work and how do you get that word out to everybody else amidst the maelstrom of other information that they have to deal with and that's right. a whole other monster that gets into the whole marketing thing and that's the funny thing is that I learned all about marketing and promotions and things like that and it's just because nobody in the business really knew what they were doing so the few of us who kind of had a knack for it had to sort of figure it out as we went Right. and then of course you get someone like Steve Wick who is a genius at that kind of thing Actually, what happened there, just so you know, is he, he, after last year's Gen Con, he basically said, okay, either you're going to stay more focused on the marketing and promotion stuff and where you're going to have to talk about maybe you going to school or taking some classes so that you get more technically uh, involved in this, or what you really need to do is quit and go become <laughs> a publisher. <laughs> and, and here, I, this is, I, I think that's what you really need to do um, because you, you're, I've been reading your stuff. You're a great writer. Um, that's your first best destiny. Uh, thank you, Spock. And uh, <laughs> go. And that's what he did. He kicked me out, more or less. But, but when I say kicked me out, it, what they did for me is I, I'll never be able to repay them. Uh, and and I'm, I'm a loyalist. I completely am. 
these guys are amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to be doing the, the exclusive work that I, I mean, I, it's the best deal in the house. Uh, I, I'm exclusive with them. I don't, I'm not even going to have my own online store. I'm just doing everything through them. So, nice. it, and it works. You know, I've, we were able to structure our Kickstarter uh, in a very unique way, which now I've got other publishers looking at how we did our Kickstarter uh, and, and going, oh, so that's how I don't, you know, die trying to do printed product and, 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 uh, and, and, and lose, lose my house on too much success kind of thing. Right. So we, we learned a few things with that Kickstarter. So he, he booted my butt out the door and said, go publish. And, uh, here comes Shintar. And the Beagle is born. And the Beagle is born. So, uh, I, I remember. Boy, the- did we ramble there. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. You did, exa- <laughs> you did exactly what I wanted to do. I knew you had a great story. I, I started looking, I started doing some research a, long, a while ago. You started Evil Beagle Games. And I remember the day that I got the letter from you, your last um, from the from the desk at uh, Drive Through RPG. Mm-hmm. I instantly went and checked out Evil Beagle Games, the website that you had. And you didn't you didn't have a whole lot going on there yet, but I've been following no. you ever since. And uh, I, I you you gave us a little sample of Shine Tar while you were still at Drive Through, mm-hmm. and uh, checked that out. You know, swallowed it whole. It was good. And uh, now it's a it's a finished product. You sent uh, you sent a, a a notice out to all the featured reviewers and whatnot. And I have to be, I have to have been at least within the first five people to contact you about a an interview. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you were. I have not, to have been. As a matter of fact, I can tell you. I can if you just give me a second. I can actually tell you for certain. Uh, because I've got the whole string here. No, doo, doo, doo. you were you were definitely in the first five. <laughs> you were one, two, three, four. Yeah, you were actually the fifth. Nice, <laughs> nice. That's funny. Uh, yeah, because uh, Timothy Brandon, Andrew Girdwood, uh, John Four, and then you. So there you go. You were number four, I think. All right. Well, um, so, I'd been uh, I've been contemplating contacting you once I saw that you established Evil Beagle Games because I wanted to talk to you about that because of uh, your, your history and now all of a sudden you've, you've got this this dog that is now your product and mm-hmm. that's a I don't want to say a rags to riches story but that's definitely a story that was worth telling which we pretty much just covered so and it was uh, that was good radio thank you very much <laughs> that said the minute I saw that you had the Shine Tar book completed I instantly, I, I just opened the first page and then just sent you the email. Go ahead and tell us about this monster that is Shintar, and uh, obviously, following that, it's Kickstarter that you've got supporting it. What is this high fantasy setting you've got? Well, the trick, of course, is in the in a world where you know, in a world where fantasy settings arise on every hill, right? It. it the trick, of course, is you know what makes this special, what makes this different, and you now that's that's going to be the focus of of your message. There's a lot of of dark fantasy, and there's a lot of this fantasy, and there's a lot of odd fantasy. Shintar really is meant to be epic high fantasy, like you see in the movies, like you read in many of the great novels, but really. No one's gone fully out of their way to just be that. Now, it's much more than that. It's a very deep and rich setting that has, um, well, well over two and a half, I'm sorry, 
well over 36 years worth of development behind it. Two and a half decades is my actual professional career. But, you know, I've been working on this, you know, for over 36 years. And so it's a very deep, very rich world that is part of a universe that is full of all kinds of potential and story. And for all the stand on the hill, sword gleaming in the sunlight against the, the charging hordes of demonic foes, there's also all the internecine politics and faction versus faction, spy versus spy, and, and all the great bits and pieces that you would expect to find in a truly deep, rich setting. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it is a setting that also is meant to evoke far, far more than the concept of going down into dank, strange, uh, you know, un- unreasonable hallways, uh, killing cobalts for copper pieces. Um, and as a friend of mine, Basil Burchikas, uh, recently, uh, coined, and I, I love him for this because it's the perfect quote. You know, it's Lord of the Rings meets Die Hard. Nice. Uh, it, it is, it is very much that cinematic action adventure fantasy where you're supposed to do the amazing things. And yes, you may risk it all and you may die, but it won't be because you sprung some goofy trap that, you know, threw a, an arrow through your, your, your throat and you failed your saving throw, whatever, uh, or because some you know oozing jelly decided you were good for lunch. Uh, that's just not Shintar. You know, it's great for other games. Don't get me wrong. It's just not what I wanted to do with my setting and with my stories, and that's not the world I wanted to present. And uh, another friend of mine recently uh, did a, a a review of it, and 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 I mean, I still choke up when I think about how he said it, which was basically that. Shintar is the setting he wishes he'd started gaming with, and and uh, that that means a lot to me. And a lot of people kind of that resonates with a lot of people because it, it's that the setting that speaks to you know, to the idea of playing a hero, uh, doing heroic things and doing important things, uh, and being able to do you know to do that story of the farm boy who grows up you know in the, in the remote location and then suddenly adventure is thrust upon him and he finds out that the main villain is his father and right. Uh, he accidentally kisses his sister, but you know it's it's still okay. His best friend ends up with her, and they 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 go against impossible odds. And yes, I'm talking Star Wars, all right. Uh, you know because Star Wars is fantasy. It's just fantasy with really cool spaceships. And way to go! Um, you just started that fight all over again. Um, you know, <laughs> but it's it's the the influences on 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 Shintar are, are manifold. I mean, Babylon Five uh, is also, in my opinion, uh, at the heart of it, epic fantasy and. Uh, you know, dr- wonderful, dramatic, character-driven stuff, and these are all influences on what I tried to do with Shintar. So it is meant to be a deep and rich world that you can explore uh, as a hero. It, it's got tons and tons and tons of story material connected to it. Um, it is action, adventure, cinema, role play. Um, it is the epic, high fantasy setting for Savage Worlds, which there isn't really one for that. There's plenty of fantasy settings that delve into you know, post-apocalyptic or very dark and grim. Or, that was one of the things or, that I was going to cover is that uh, I've heard uh, Savage Worlds, obviously, that's a beast of a game. I'm a huge fan myself. Um, biggest complaint about Savage Worlds is that it can't do high fantasy very well. I've went through your book and I've looked around and I think it does now. Uh, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I, I guarantee you I've knocked that out of the park. That, I, that I've Absolutely. worked long and hard on, long and hard on, and I'm very proud of what we've done there. Even if you're not, even if you want to play your own homebrew or you're just not into the, what the themes or, 
or or whatever it is about Shinetar, there's so much material for Savage Worlds gaming in Absolutely. there. And I, there's it's there for fantasy gaming, but there's also plenty of really cool stuff that people are cribbing for their sci-fi and their modern day and their whatever games. Um, I am I am very proud to to say that I'm I'm very good friends with Shane Hensley and have uh, been privileged to be a part of the core development of that rule set. Uh, I'm incredibly proud that my name is in the in the Savage Worlds Deluxe uh, book uh, as one of the contributors, and uh, I, I consider myself and and he does too. He's actually uh, you know kind of pimped me out to some other <laughs> other publishers <laughs> and said, "Here's your guy if you want to do some conversions." I just recently did some conversions for Imaginary Friends. Which was a Kickstarter for or a Blackworm for a, a hero system based product that they also wanted to do in Savage Worlds, and I did the uh, the, the Savage Supers conversion for them. It just reminded so, me of something that uh, I think we skipped over. At some point, you were doing a GM for hire kind of thing based on Savage Worlds. Uh, yeah, see, that was my first idea out to come out the gate with something that I could start generating revenue with, which was the Your Savage Expert, but. Right? Actually, uh, it was uh, it was a bit too successful, and I, I, <laughs> I was I was undercutting myself so badly uh. financially. I just could not afford it. I could not afford to do it at the rates that I was charging. So, I shut the I shut the whole thing down so that I could get focused on everything else. But it's funny because occasionally I do get asked about it. Are you? In fact, is there people who are asking me to add that back in as a as a bonus goal or as a stretch goal or something or as an add on right. for the Kickstarter? And I'm like, guys, it's not like I don't have 33 books to write. <laughs> or, in this funny. case, or in this case, co-write because I, I do I am bringing in the Shintar All Stars, which is a really cool thing. But um, nonetheless, I'm still have to going to have to oversee all those books. But uh, like I said, I, I, it's kind of cool. I was always looking for, and I always am looking for the innovations, right? Uh, right. I've always wanted to, to, to shift the paradigm again. I, mean, I was very, very, very thrilled with the work I did with, with OBS, for example, to, to, you know, for example, for example, to bring digital print to the foreground. They talked about it, they would explored it, it hadn't really worked, but I, I pushed really hard with Steve and, and company to, to, to make it happen because I said that's what's going to uh, put, kick us to the next level. Uh, is if we offer the the print service where people can get print books, right. uh, then, then we will lock it down, and and it's turned out to be true. That's that's a huge huge development for them and for us uh, as an industry. So that's worked out really really nicely. And and so I've always wanted to look for the ways to to change you know things up a bit and make it even more interesting and more exciting. And you know that's that's the other thing what Shintar is meant to be. And this is the part that where people think I'm crazy, and I, I am. There's no question about it. But crazy like a fox, maybe because I was just funny. I was just looking at uh, uh, Lantern City, uh, which is a thing that Bruce Boxleitner of Babylon Five uh, right. fame. He's the executive producer of, and the guy presenting it. And one of their big things uh, with this this concept is that they're encouraging the fan base to get involved in in design and development. Now, for mo- the most part, what they're doing this was this thing. It's going to be a television series. I think it's going to be a web based television series. But they're encouraging the fans uh, of steampunk and makers, as they're called, to to submit designs and uh, ideas uh, to to support the thing. And you know, it's still a one-way filter kind of thing, but at least they're going into that direction. Right. And then you've got the Resistance television series, which has got the connection between the series and the computer game, the massive multiplayer game. Right. So these are these are things that are going in that direction that I'm going in. 
and as uh, as uh, Lisa Stevens kind of challenged me on this, and so did Jamie Chambers when I made the claim that uh, I was doing the world's first massively multiplayer tabletop RPG with Shintar, and they're like, well, okay, how can you really say that if you're in light of the living campaigns and the RPGA? And, you know, I was reminded, I've always acknowledged their influence on my ideas, but uh, I would, you know, I had to go back to my Justice in Life uh, website and, and put this in. Um, and uh, the Justice in Life site is, is the manifestation of, of an idea I've had going for a long time now. Uh, and I've always, it's funny because people are surprised how much I, uh, at the very beginning, as I started to really look at Shintar as a publishable property, I envisioned it as something that I was sharing with all of the game masters and with all of the players, that this was a shared world. Right. Um, anybody who's ever played in a convention game with me will tell you that I've always told them, hold on to this character. You get to keep this character. This character is your unique character in my setting, and you can bring this character back and play. If you play in any other convention games I run or if anything else that I put together. I've always looked at it as a shared experience that you got to stay a part of, and I always wanted to share the world. Well, I've gone completely nuts, and I'm opening up entirely. There will be a canonical reality that not only does the Kickstarter let you buy landscape and bloodlines and, and have massive influence and change the map by the time we're done with the Kickstarter, right. but the Justice in Life campaign, which is set in Shintar, is the first attempt that I know of to create a true one-to-one relationship between player and world, where your character is an official canonical part of the world, if your game master follows the, the, the rules, which I'm actually going to write up and post today, if all goes well, knock on wood, and finally get that up and posted, you, you know, they, they can run canonical, this happened in the real setting adventures and scenarios and stories that are unique to the, to the world and are theirs to tell. That's pretty neat. And, and the, the, your character, which is registered on the site, can also be play, can also play in the official Justice in Life games that will be happening online versus Google Plus and the Roll20 system, can be played at conventions, and, and so on and so forth. If you showed up in Huntsville, Alabama, and you, you, you know, we meet up, you can come play in the Silver Unicorn Pub, which is my gaming space in my office, and boom, you're, part, you're playing official continuity games. And you're able to post your stories, and GMs will be able to start, you know, GMs will be able to level up. This is an interesting thing that uh, that catches people by surprise is that not only are players you know they're getting to level up their characters, GMs will be able to level up their campaigns so that as they show more capacity, you know they 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 get what I'm trying to do. They're doing really cool stories and they're 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 contributing to the world. They can level up so that they get larger areas of influence that they can get you know more more level of impact on on the greater story and on the meta arcs right so this is this is the system that we're creating where the ip the official intellectual property that is shintar is is shared by all of us and everyone has a direct one-to-one relationship with this truly living world that everyone's playing in now your kickstarter is uh as of this recording already funded and you're reaching toward your sixth stretch goal yeah, as a matter of fact, I'm clicking on it right now to see if we're still at that $4 away. Oh, that's just funny. Right now, while you and I are talking, it's at 15956 Right. Oh, wait a minute, not $4, sorry. I, I'm, I can't math. Uh, we are $44 away. Right. Yeah. We're $44 away from stretch goal number six. So, yeah. Now, there's a lot of stretch goals on this thing. We built this thing to be eminently growable. 
but yeah, we're doing really well. We've got 17 days to go. We're already funded. Uh, I guess you'd say we're at the almost 160% base funding. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been phenomenal. And a lot of the stretch goals are, um, what do you call them? Splat books? What do you got? Guidebooks. We don't like the word splat book anymore. Guidebook. Sorry. Uh, you've uh, got guidebooks for but, different aspects of your game that are going to be but, written. Yes, they are guidebooks. They're basically it's the world book uh, broken up into to smaller pieces. Um, so yes, there's all the different guidebooks that that expand on a particular area of the world, or there are the Black Lantern reports, which you know get more into factions and cults and and right, uh, right, right, and, and and conspiracies and and things like that. Because the Black Lanterns, uh, the first Black Lantern book is actually about the Black Lanterns. And it's the super spy group that exists in in Shintar. So mm-hmm. there's there's all those different books that, that that's what that's what the stretch goals are. Now I saw I, I was flipping through everything. I saw all your stretch goals, which were, hey, we're gonna write another book. We're gonna write another book. We're gonna write another book. And they're all about specific parts of the world or uh, the people or the organizations or anything like that. They all and uh, also wizards and such. Then I stumbled across another one, which is a bonus goal that you put up. Mm-hmm. Ed Greenwood is going to write a book with you? Right. Now, these are not stretch goals. These are bonus goals, like you said. Yeah. Bonus goal number one, Ed Greenwood uh, writes a book. And, yes, he is uh, going to do a book called Serenity, City of Secrets, uh, which is a, uh, a key city in the middle of the wildlands that all factions and groups and, and governments are allowed to have emissaries and you know, it's a place where you know, it's it's focused on trade and commerce, but in the background, it's also you know internet and politics and 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 skullduggery and all that. And uh, uh, really, Edge is perfect for a book like that. It's 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 it it kind of has a Babylon Five feel to it Neat. in an epic fantasy setting. And uh, but there's more to it than that. You know, Waterdeep. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, it's not entirely unfair to say that there's a little bit, maybe a little a water deepish kind of thing there too. But right. there's a lot of different things going on there. But it's a really cool city, and 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 yes, uh, Ed's been a fan of Shintar from from early on, and I'm incredibly proud to have him involved. He's a great guy, a good friend, and and it's just very exciting. So yeah, we added in bonus goals, and the thing is, we start we 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 made our bonus goals tied to other things than just financial achievements. The right. stretch goals handle that. So the first bonus goal was about uh, us getting 125 backers. Or was that was was his? I can't remember exactly. He, he was one of those. And then bonus goal number two was Fat Dragon Games uh, gave us a free castle called Castle Winterhawk, which I just announced last night. Tom Tullis and I talked about it, and he really loves the idea of Kessel Winterhawk. The IP, the concept, the name right. is official. Is official shine to our continuity. So not only are we you know, able to give away a free castle, which is the core castle, you know, Kessel Winterhawk set, but that has been named officially existing in Shintar, and uh, we've got some interesting plans for that. I actually talked to Miles Cantier last night, and. He's got a really cool idea for Castle Winterhawk as it connects to uh, one of our other bonus goals, which is the Godstrike Tempest, um, right. which we're like, I, we're, that one's going to hit. And practice almost certainly will hit today. Uh, we've got well over 500, because uh, like I said, all of it's about you know memberships to the Facebook group or number of backers or actually, I remember now the bonus goal one was based on people linking to other sites. We had to, there was a be 100 postings of the Kickstarter link to other places and a description of the Kickstarter. And we hit that one. 125 
backers was the thing that unlocked bonus goal two. Bonus goal three has been predicated on getting 500 members for the Facebook page for Shintar and 500 likes for the Suzerain page. We're like four away, I think, on the Suzerain page at this point. We've already hit the Shintar one. So that will unlock the Godstrike Tempest, which is me and Miles, the guy who created Suzerain, doing a universe, a universe crossover book that, uh, among other things, launches the Omnicosm idea that I have been playing with for a couple of years now. <laughs> I wasn't sure if we were going to make it there. That's, uh, this one's big. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we're finally finally connecting, finally doing the, the Omnicosm thing, which is multiple universes, multiple campaign settings, interconnected canonically. So uh, Godstrike Tempest is, is an event book that will connect Suzerain's multiverse with the Shintar universe and just it will it will blow the doors off it it is going to introduce all kinds of bigger cosmological things that take it just from here's shintar as a as a cool continent with lots of stuff happening to here's shintar part of a bigger world that is now interconnected with a larger universe you know so that's that's a that is a blow the doors off epic kind of thing that's going to happen there and we just announced bonus goal number four uh, which is based on us getting 225 backers for the uh, Kickstarter, and that's one uh, called the Six Times Epic. We've got six print-and-play tabletop maps from the Dramascape people, right? Uh, just because they're huge fans of Shintar, and I'm huge fans of their work too. They're just amazing. Uh, and then we got six epic uh, one-sheet adventures being written by six of the Shintar All Stars, uh, which includes Eddie Webb and Steve Perrin. Uh, and people like that uh, writing uh, one sheet scenarios tied to these really cool maps. So we keep adding these, and these, and we're not done. There's more bonus goals behind that that uh, are just amazing things being done by incredible people who love and support Shintar and want to see me succeed with this. I again remain utterly humbled uh, by the support I've gotten to to pull this together. So it's it's some exciting stuff. And then we've got the add-ons, which uh, is how we decided to handle the print and and shipping thing. And that's where I've got uh, other publishers looking at how we're doing things and going, oh, so that's how I could do that and not kill myself. Right. And, uh, and it, all props to, uh, to to Miles Cantier for this because he's the one that, that that conceived this, which is to do it as a add-on using the print-on-demand and shipping options from DriveThruRPG. People can do it as an add-on to their pledge, and they can get print versions, including now a Shintar Legends Unleashed Kickstarter-exclusive version which is one that will have graphics and there's some additional content and art that is exclusive only to the Kickstarter and will never be made available otherwise. Nice. So what you've done with the add-ons is essentially once you pledge at a certain level or higher, mm-hmm. uh, you, can, you can change the way you get your product. You can get a soft cover, you can get a hard cover, you can get, mm-hmm. and you can choose this and basically you just simply add on the price of Right. That whether you want the hard cover, the soft cover, the you know, if you want the PDF, it's it is as it is. Yeah. But um so that's that's pretty brilliant, man. And that couldn't happen without one bookshelf and drive through, right? Oh no. They, 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 people are like, Well, how come you ever did any, anything like this before? And I said, Because I have been waiting for the ideas that I was the, the ideas I've been helping to develop, I've been waiting for them to come to fruition and I've been waiting for the technology and the business models to exist that can do business the way that makes sense for me because I'm not a business guy. For all the fact that I'm considered one of the business gurus in this industry and people are constantly asking me to consult with them about how to do this, I'm not a business guy. I mean, Steve Wick is a business guy. The man knows it like you would not believe. You know, and, and, and there's, uh, 
so many others that uh, are are just amazing. Man, the folks who run Atlas Games, they're business people, right? I mean, there's people who know business. Right. I'm not that guy. But if you're talking about in terms of innovations and ideas and how to apply technology and social interconnectivity and things like that, I suppose you could say I'm pretty good at that. And, and so I've been waiting for, <laughs> I've been waiting, <laughs> I've been waiting for all of that stuff to come together. Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, my partnership with Savage Mojo is the other reason this works, right? My relationship with DriveThruRPG and the technology there, but also my relationship with Savage Mojo. They're the ones who are the absolute experts at, at uh, collecting artists and graphics people and putting together the production and development of product. And my longstanding friendship and relationship with them is, is the other thing that makes this possible. And, uh, that's, you know, it, it's all about the relationships I've built and those relationships interconnecting in a way that lets me then pull it all together into one package that works with me basically being the, 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 the circus leader with the big top hat in the center <laughs> ring, you know, going, ladies and gentlemen, here in the center ring, you'll find this. But then over here in this ring, you'll see this cool thing happening. And over there is that cool thing happening. And we're all sharing in this together. Welcome to the circus that is Shintar and Sean's crazy world. So it's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much my job. And, and the funny thing is how much of this wasn't planned. As long as we spent planning this Kickstarter, so much of this stuff exploded after the Kickstarter started running, and I started getting contacts with people, and I started getting inspired. So the FAQ, for example, had, you know, people wanted to, to figure out how to do different stretch goals as their add-ons. As they, the the world-building thing has really exploded, for example. People really wanting to add additional cities or villages or the ability to build other bloodlines on top of the stuff they've already pledged to, to do. Right. You know, people wanting to, you know, can they do organizations instead of kingdoms? You know, how they, it's, it's just all these different things that they, they want to do. And, and, uh, well, I, I imagine what you're getting there is a piece of their game to your product. Yes. Uh, rather than, you know, someone had a, a great adventure that was centered around a really neat organization rather than a kingdom. Yep. Your stretch goal says kingdom. They want to know if they can put in an organization organization to help immortalize that memory and, uh, that's something really powerful that you can only really get in this industry with this hobby. Yep, yep. I'm that, incredibly, incredibly proud of that about who we are. And that's, uh, as I said from the beginning, uh, you know, I've always wanted to share. The world itself is set up for that. I mean, what kills people is they, they look at the map and say, where can I squeeze in? I don't. There's so many things on there. I said, well, most of those things are not what you think they are. They're not as set in stone as you think they are. If you like that name, we can set it there. That city is not really... I've not done anything with that city yet. You want it? You can have it. They're like, are you kidding me? And I said, no, I'm not. That's nice. how I built this thing. I built this thing from the top down. There's all these places on the map that are part of regions, and those regions, I know what's going on with those regions, but I always meant for each and every GM and each and every campaign to have, a, you know, to be able to build a home on that map and, and expand out from there. And so the map was designed, the world was designed with this idea from the very, very beginning. Sean, brilliant. Thank you. Now, I guess I guess maybe we're working backwards here, but the art for this book. Mm-hmm. This book is beautiful, man. Oh, man, isn't it? Uh, I, I, I can't take any credit for that other than to say, yeah, I know good people. Yeah, this, this, the, whoever, who are the art, artists? Is that uh, people you all pulled together from Savage Mojo? or? Uh, there's this guy uh, named Bob. We think his name's Bob. He lives in a cardboard box. <laughs> we give him pork and beans, and he does art. No, I'm it's kidding. You, I'm, Bob's the man. Uh, uh, well, actually, the man is is uh, well. There's two that I, I have to name up front, and that's Aaron Acevedo and Jason Engel because right. they 
they're you know they're the the partners in crime that are at the center of this, and we all met and worked together way back when and during the the Obsidian Studios days. Jason had been hired by the same guy who hired me uh, because he was a brilliant illustrator, but he's very very young and and kind of just getting started uh, and, and learning his craft. And he and I sort of partnered at the very beginning, and, and he just somehow got what I was thinking with Shintar and with epic fantasy stuff. And so he became the definitive artist for Shintar. No, no questions asked uh, way, you know, in that, in those early days, you know, you know, uh, 1999 uh, is when we first started working together. And then there's this guy, Aaron Acevedo, who walked up to me at a little mini con that was going on in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, saying that he wanted to be a writer and I, I was impressed with him. We hung out, me, him, and Kevin Ranson, uh, who's uh, you know the Crystal Lich. Uh, he's really well known, actually, as a, a movie reviewer, and he's also an incredibly talented guy. And we're all still very good friends. But Ace started learning some graphic layout stuff by necessity. Somebody needed to figure it out, and that's how Ace got his foot in the door, was learning the tools for graphic layout and, and design, and then just sort of started picking up on art ideas as well. So here's this guy who wanted to be a writer and is actually a very good writer who became an award-winning artist (laughs) 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 in the games industry uh, just because of hanging out with the talent that was Jason Engel and and learning these tools and stuff like that. And now he's the art director for Pinnacle as well as for Savage Mojo and and an incredible graphics guy uh, and, and just really sharp, amazing guy. And then he and Jason took over the look and feel and the art for for Shintar and 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 working with of course what they knew I wanted. You know, they just they went nuts with it. But then they brought in people like uh Tomek who did the cover and that cover for Legends Arise is so Shintar, so perfectly Shintar. There's just no question beyond it. God, it's so gorgeous. And I'm, I've, the the cool thing is, and I'll go ahead this I'll, I'll give you this is a, a exclusive uh I haven't said I haven't told anybody yet. Nice. Uh, Tomek is working on the the Legends Un- Unleashed cover, and my notes to him were I wanted to do it as a companion piece to the Legends Arise cover, right? Featuring creatures of darkness instead of creatures of flame because that's what's on the Arise book, and an all female hero cast instead of an all male hero cast, which is like one on on Arise. Nice. So there's going to be all female heroes fighting a, a big creature of darkness on the cover of Legends Unleashed so that we can kind of get that, that balance. And I think that's going to be really kick-ass. So uh, a bunch of female heroes, creature of darkness thing. So Tomek's working on that one. Alita Saxon is another one of the, the artists that uh, uh, is involved there. Uh, she, she did a lot of the coloring stuff on, on Jason's uh, pencils. And uh, she's really, really gifted. To, you know, the, the paint, you know, the painting style that you see in a lot of those images. Right. And there's quite a few others too. Uh, I, 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 remiss in not knowing their names off the top of my head, but they're all uh, amazing people who've done phenomenal work for the for the product. And just I can't say enough about Savage Mojo. And and I know number a number of other publishers are going the route that I've gone. Uh, and if they're not, they should. Savage Mojo is is the perfect partner to work with for for something like this. Uh, get them involved. They they can you can set up a great deal with them. They know what they're doing. They can you know make sure your product line is going to be top notch quality. They've already got everything in house, and uh, so there's my pitch to them. Uh, they are, they are my friends. I'm totally biased. Uh, we've known each right. other for years. They're some of the dearest friends I have in this world. 
but you know that's that's the blessing of what I do is that I become very very good friends with the people I work with, and and it works. These these guys are phenomenal talents, and and I'm incredibly grateful. And anybody who works with them is going to do well. Very neat. There'll be links in the show notes for all of this stuff for the record. Oh, thank uh, you. So we'll make sure that everybody gets uh, can get to Savage Mojo or obviously your stuff pretty easily. Okay, so Sean, what's uh, what's next for Shintar? I mean, you've got you've got the Kickstarter, you've got the guidebooks, you've got the book being written. I know the reason I'm asking is because of you have plans of a multi-world, multi. What's the word I'm looking for there? System. Yeah, system. The the continuity in the omnicosm. Right. What are your plans from this point well, forward? What was basically with the Godstorm or the Godstrike Tempest, that actually uh, kind of it, ironic. I don't want to say the back door, but essentially, sort of, it is the back door into the Omnicosm because it's just an excellent opportunity. And there are a couple of other settings that I am in negotiations with people. In fact, there's one of them is a done deal, and that will be one of the next bonus goals, and that will be uh, another setting that also gets interconnected with Shintar through a, a bonus goal book. And then there's another one after that that I'm in with, negotiation with some people who just wrapped up their Kickstarter, and that will be probably one of the most amazing and oddest connections you could imagine but it will be so freaking cool and it really will blow the doors off the omnicosm idea and of course we're doing it through the epic fantasy side of things but eventually i mean suzerain is not just fantasy so you already got multi-genre stuff going on there and so yes this is all savage world so this becomes a huge thing for savage worlds fans but i also have got some stuff going on in the background uh, i'm working with some really interesting people like david pulver for example on some other ideas that get into the system stuff and Scott Corum, I was working on with him for a while now uh, on the Omnicosm stuff in the background. He's actually one of the Shintar All-Stars. He's very much involved in this, and he and I still have plans for the bigger picture, which Shintar is now going to be a part of. Right. And so that's, that's, that's sort of how we build on this. The Justice in Life campaign is also a huge part of this as well, and I'm, I'm definitely excited about uh, getting that going forward and, and people having this interconnectivity there and building on that. I have some ideas about other media stuff that I do. And, and you know, people are like, well, if you're opening up your IP so that everybody can share it, how can you do multimedia? And it's like, if people just don't get it. The world has changed. It's just entirely doable. And, and, and we're, we're going to go there. So I've, I've got some, I'm actually planning on trying to uh, talk to some folks uh, that are doing computer game design stuff. And uh, we're looking at uh, not a traditional PC game or anything like that. It's just not an area I want to go yet. If somebody else likes Shintar enough that they want to go there, totally open to the discussion. But uh, for my own purposes, I have other ideas. I'm looking at the tablet market primarily okay. uh, and, and doing some app stuff for tablets and, and phones and, the, and, and that kind of thing. You know, And uh, I want to set up uh, tools that really work from the social connectivity technology that is so ubiquitous to create the ability to regularly connect to and be a part of the world in multiple ways, which includes those who like resource management stuff and those who like political interaction stuff. I want to set up things so that they can be doing things, you know, in the quote-unquote between session, uh, but it's, it's gameplay stuff that they can enjoy uh, that's all part of the world and the greater universe. So these are big plans and ideas that I have that, that expand out just from this one epic fantasy setting. Because Shintar is just a continent and some islands on a world called Starfall. And Starfall is just a single world in what was uh, itself uh, an interstellar empire based on magical technology. And that's just, 
that's just all the content I can come up with that's all driven from the Shintar continuity. Right. And that doesn't even get into how much it interconnects with all these other continuities. So starting from a different pivot point. Yeah, we're we're just we're just starting to unlock the potential here. And what I think is something that, that, again, is a paradigm shift. I don't think anyone has ever quite gone as crazy as I'm going with this. And I, it's, it's, it's fun. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. No doubt about that. Uh, it's pretty intriguing, and I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing where this goes from this point forward. Thank you. Um, I'll be watching, just like I have been. I appreciate that. So, obviously, check the show notes. We're going to put links on there to Sean's Kickstarter and all of the things that he's talked about. Now, we're going to take the conversation in a slightly different direction. On my uh, on my podcast, on the GameCast, we're doing a thing where I'm having listeners write in about game store weirdos. Now, they could be from a convention or a game store or any other place where geeks congregate. But there's those, there's those guys that are story worthy. Those guys that you just got to go tell somebody about, you know, later on down the road. The stories that you tell about, uh, oh my God, this guy walked into the store. And uh, I, I was wondering if you had any of those. You got, you got one you can share with us, Sean? <laughs> At the risk of embarrassing him slightly, um, yeah, I got a great one. And, and I, I want to go ahead and open up for the front that, that he has become a friend of mine. Matter of fact, we're sharing a room, thanks to his, his generosity, we're sharing a room at uh, Gen Con this year because he kind of stepped up when I was like, oh, God, I, I need a room at Gen Con. And, of course, Gen Con housing is a nightmare. Right. Just an absolute nightmare. But uh, – a few Gen Cons ago, and I mean a many, many few Gen Cons ago, uh, when I was first drilling a lot of stuff for Hero Games, um, I met two guys, and one of them was Ross Watson, uh, who went on to uh, fame with Fantasy Flight games. As a matter of fact, had me do some stuff for Fantasy Flight, both uh, got me involved in doing uh, stuff for Dark Heresy, but at the same time got opened the door for me to do some work on the Star Wars stuff for them. But uh, you know, he and another guy walked up to me, and they both basically presented themselves as fans of of my work. But this other guy started to go off on me and just went on this diatribe about how he really liked that I did this, but he really didn't. You know, and then it, he he just he went on to me about the mutant file. Now, the mutant file, I will admit, is probably the most controversial book I ever did for Champions because uh, I challenged a lot of preconceived notions about how to design characters for supervillain books and for things like that. The agents were more than 250 points nice. in the mutant file, which standard starting characters and champions were not, you, you did 250. So how dare you make an agent that was more than 250 points? And like, look, everybody's been playing this thing. This is the fourth edition, right. right? People did not trash their characters. They've been playing a long time. It's time to, produce material meant for those advanced campaigns and that's what the mutant file was supposed to be and it was also an homage to and a very direct homage to the whole mutant concept from marvel comics so and there was a lot of pre-established stuff that i had to go on and and just like you just basically to update and revise but he was going off on me about why did you do it exactly like that and why does this why 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 i mean he really hammered me and and at first I was like kind of just backing up and uh, and 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 he's just so passionate and so direct and so and and Ross the whole time is like dude dude back up a little bit okay give him give him you know and he's like so looking totally embarrassed the guy's name is Michael Satrin and if you've met him he is a truly interesting and and unique persona in games industry he's 
very vocal, and he's got a very strong, powerful voice. He's always dressed very, very well. Um, probably one of the best dressed guys in gaming uh, when it comes <laughs> down to it. Um, he's just always presenting himself as a as a well dressed and, and and forthright and professional. And and you know he starts talking to you, and he does not know when the time to stop talking is. It's just it doesn't occur to him because he's got so much to say. But he just it, he can really throw you off if you're not ready for him. But he's gone on to become this guy. He's he's doing hero game stuff. He's a huge fan, always has been, of hero games, and now he's writing stuff. And he did this really wonderful, successful Kickstarter for for something called Imaginary Friends, which I have to say is probably one of, if not the most unique thing I have ever seen done for superhero gaming ever. I mean, this this is really bizarre, wonderful, fun stuff. And I had the privilege of of doing the the Savage Worlds conversions for it. So I the thing about the story is here I got basically hammered by this guy, right? Right. Um, that I thought didn't like me by the time the conversation was over, but damned if he didn't find me at every convention then and always act like he was really happy to talk to me, even though he wasn't always happy to talk about what we were talking about. <laughs> And then to find out, you know, he's, he went on to become his, a publisher and a writer and a designer and, and a friend, well, right? So you just didn't, I didn't see it coming, but it was, it, it, it makes for, it was really uh, kind of an interesting way that turned around. So you actually uh, took the bull by the horns as it was and befriended your game store weirdo. Uh, um, yeah, to, to a degree, <laughs> uh, the, I really did. I'd say the difference here is that um, he wasn't really blowing smoke. He can apparently actually do it and he knew what he was talking about. So. <laughs> yeah, as it turns out, it, 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 and that's the thing is, he wasn't just saying, you know, uh, he wasn't just criticizing to criticizing. He actually right. had legitimate ideas, and 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 he ultimately did understand where I was coming from, and and I think, you know, he went on to think long and hard about what what it really meant, and uh, decided to to bring his own stuff to it. Now, uh, as a, a variant on this story, I will also reveal something else that right. uh, you know, the the, the 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 typical game store weirdo. We all know one of the, the classic problems is they they're not always aware of their hygienic right. profile, right? So, you know, and this when you work in the industry, this becomes a exacerbated issue that you constantly run into. And when you work for one of the largest conventions in the world, which at the time I was working for for Origins, right? Um, it's even more manifold because then you're talking about an, an actual environmental hazard uh, on a larger scale. And so myself and my very good friend, Matt Ragsdale, uh, who was the sales guy, uh, in charge of sales, uh, and, and, and related to things for, uh, for Gamma while I was the events coordinator. Um, we started coming up with these plans, uh, that we wanted to, to push forward. Uh, we wanted in the, in the gift bag, for example, we wanted to, to provide toothpaste and toothbrushes and soap and deodorant right. and things like that with a big sign that says, dear gamer, please, you please. Did use these right um but we didn't stop there we actually started uh we went to to anthony galela the executive director with a with a only half kidding proposal that we go after febreze (laughs) as a sponsor (laughs) for origins and we even wanted to go so far as to get them to put arches up over the main entrances to all the main halls that are constantly spritzing febreze that's hilarious (laughs) on all the games to diminish the gamer funk. We thought this was a great idea, but Anthony's like, as much as he laughed, I think he almost started crying from laughing so hard. He he finally nixed it. But I don't know. I still think that could work. And I'm pretty sure if Matt, if you're listening, 
buddy. We still got to try to make that happen one day. Well, that just means you got to make your uh, shine tar deodorant. And, uh, uh, merchandising, yeah, well, man. <laughs> merchandising, shine tar, hero. Make sure you smell like a hero, but not a hero who just fly, right? Right. Make it makes you smell like a hero, but a hero after a bath. Right. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yep. I'm sure you will. Uh, thanks for that. That was great. This brings us to the last, the final segment of my show, which is the support segment, where I tell all the listeners, uh, I don't really need to tell you, but I tell all the listeners to remember to support the hobby, support the industry, and support your local game store. But then I ask you, my guest, to support something that is not necessarily one of your own projects that you think people need to see or you just feel you need to get the word out on. Oh, this is easy. What do you got? Matt Forbeck is one of my best friends in this industry. And if you don't know who he is, you're not paying any attention. The guy's been involved for longer than I have. He, he started his career by walking up to the door of the Games Workshop. Um, he like went from Michigan to England. And in England, while in England, he knocked on the door and said, hey, I'd like to work for you. And that's how he started working in the games industry. <laughs> Never heard that and, story. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's uh, it, Matt's got fantastic stories. He's one of the most amazing people to hang around with and party with. I mean, this is a man who had quintuplets. So it's, you know, uh, he, it's amazing when he gets to party. He parties like crazy. Well, so thank you for that, Sean. I think you just uh, solidified who I'm going to petition for the next interview. Uh, oh, you need to go after Matt. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, Matt's great. He's one of my favorite people in the in the in the world. And he's done he's done everything. You know, he's done everything more than I have. But he's got a series of books out that are probably some of the most fascinating that you can imagine. They're fiction, but they're fiction about gaming. And they're fiction about gaming in a way that's never been done before. It's the Dangerous Game series. The first one's called How to Play, and the second one's How to Cheat. And it's a trilogy, so there's a, another one coming. Right. And it's about the game industry, right? It's, and it's us. I'm a character in How to Cheat. <laughs> And I don't mean he took some guy and he based it on me. I mean Sean Patrick Fannin, writer and designer, is a character in the book How to Cheat. And I actually have a pretty major role that I play in the story. Uh, and Phil Lacefield and Anthony Galela are, are involved in that one too. And Ken Height, you know, there's a fairly famous persona who gets married, or, that, that, I'm sorry, gets, does get murdered in the first one. Uh, there's another guy, actually a number of people get murdered in the second one. Um, yeah, but we're talking about every major name in the games industry you can think of appears in these books. And many of them have lines, many of them, and, and, and Matt writes us all perfectly. I mean, I, I could not write myself better than Matt did in this book. Right. Oh, and, Cor- and Corinne, my, 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 la- my lovely lady Corinne Seabolt is also a character in this book. Um, and, and he did a wonderful job with her too. Uh, you know, she's not a woman to mess with if you get, if you hack her off. Uh, and, uh, she, he did a great job with her too. So we're both characters in that book and everybody in this industry. Uh, so the cool thing is if you have any interest in the game's hobby and the industry attached to it, especially Gen Con, because this is all set at Gen Con. Okay. This, these are just beautiful, wonderful, fun books set at Gen Con focused on the, the personalities of the games industry as characters in basically what is a, a murder mystery situation. Uh, so if you can imagine trying to put all those ideas together, it, it works phenomenally well. And, and Matt is just a great writer who has a lot of fun with his work. Uh, matter of fact, I just came across a quote uh, that he said somewhere, and I'm trying to remember where it was. Um, I'm going to have to, unfortunately, I have to paraphrase it because I can't find it right off the bat. But basically, it's like if you're not having fun writing, 
then how are they going to have any fun reading it? Yeah, and, I agree with and that. He's he's absolutely right. So and it comes out so much in his work. Uh, I can't say enough good things about his work, uh, really. And, and I'm very proud to be his friend, and I'm very proud of, of of being involved in his work. So there you go. That's my that's my pitch. Very neat. I'll put the link in the show notes for those that are interested, and for those that aren't, go check it out anyway. Because we said so. <laughs> absolutely. You heard it. You heard it here. Uh, Sean, thanks again so much for coming on the show. I hope sometime to have you back again. I'm sure that we haven't tapped the well. Oh, uh, I think a post-KS interview was definitely in order, especially to see how things are going with the Justice and Life campaign. Sounds great. And uh, we'll, we'll we'll get together off the air and figure out when that's going to be, but definitely. Thank you so much for coming on the air again once once again, and thanks so much for all the help you gave me early on. I mean, I guess it's still early on. I've been doing this for about a year, so... Dan, but, uh, uh, my honor and my pleasure, and 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 uh, if I had some small part in, in what you're doing, um, that's something for me to be proud of. Thanks. Fantastic. Why don't you uh, why don't you tell the listeners where to find you if they need uh, if they oh, so easy desire? Oh, oh, sorry to interrupt. I just remembered one thing. I've heard you referred to as the Mad Irishman. Is that oh, the Big Irish? The Big Irish. That's what it is. Why? <laughs> Well, I'm large and I'm Irish. I'm not sure how much you're, how, how hard that really is now, is it? Sean Patrick Fannin of the Athenians of County Roscommon, don't you know, directly descended from Finn McCool himself, great Irish hero. Both my mother's side and my father's side of the family, very Irish. And you know, with a name like Sean Patrick kind of, you know, kind of says it all right there. I can drink like a madman. It's really true. Uh, I, I work in a pub. I mean, my office is a pub with nice. a fully stocked bar and everything. The funny thing is, on a on a daily basis, I'm 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 putting uh, the the kids of Coke Zero executives through college with as much Coke Zero as I drink. I really don't drink alcohol on a daily basis, <laughs> but at conventions and parties, apparently, I drink so much people wonder why I'm not dead. It's just a thing. I don't know what it is. I, I mainly because I drink with Matt Forbeck. That's pretty much how <laughs> I'm able to drink like I do because the man is a machine himself. Um, and you think he was Irish? He probably is. But yeah, it's just um, I'm a big guy, right? I'm six one and um, not thin, right? And because um, uh, I'm bigger than most professional wrestlers, wow! And I'm Irish, and I've got an Irish name, so really, it's kind of how it's stuck. Big Irish sounds good. All right, let's or try the big this. Irish gamer, big Irish, whatever. So. Yeah, let's try this again. Go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you. Oh uh, well, like I said, I'm the only Sean Patrick fan that I know of on Facebook. Um, also on G Plus, very easy to find there, and in both places and on. You definitely want to join the Shintar Legends Unleashed Facebook group. It's open uh, because it's a group. We have somebody still has to say yes, but it's you still see what's going on until somebody clicks yes, and we click yes like within moments because everybody on there clicks yes. Um, there's also the Shintar uh, Land of Legends community Facebook or G Plus community. Um, EvilBeagleGames.com is is my website for for the Evil Beagle uh, company, uh, and then EvilBeagleGames at Gmail.com is my email address. So these are all, all easy ways to get a hold of me. All right, I'll put all those in the show notes. Uh, once again, thanks for joining us. This has been the Carpe Gym interview series. On the mics with Sean Fannin. Sean, say goodbye. Goodbye! Thank you. Good night.